You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. I'm Barbara Castiglia of Modern Restaurant Management. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite things, Italian food. And with me today is Carl Howard, who's the President and Chief Executive Officer at Zoli's. So welcome, Carl. I guess first, tell me about the chain and explain the food, where you're based, how many you have, you know, kind of just the basics. Sure. And thanks for having me on, Barbara. But So a little bit about Fazoli's. We're based out of uh, Lexington, Kentucky. The brand has been around for 30 plus years. Um, we were actually founded uh, as lo- a group of Long John Silvers um, was going through a cod crisis and they were the, worried about uh, th- that business. So they created a, an Italian chain to put in there and that's kind of how Fazoli started. And then it grew throughout the year and was actually renamed Fazoli's uh, about 30 years ago. So um, we have 215 locations. Uh, we're based mainly in the Midwest. The majority of our locations are in Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, Illinois, good population of restaurants in Texas, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Florida. We, you know, we're really growing the South, North Carolina, South Carolina. So we're really starting to grow those pockets. It's great to see the brand grow again. Uh, you, we we're kind of a unique concept. Uh, we uh, really don't have a, a lot of people doing what we're doing because it's very difficult uh, to, to provide our quality an $8 price point. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. And when, when people haven't been to Fazoli's before, I always explain to them, we're like a little olive garden with a drive through and half the cost and our breadsticks are the goat. We've got the bread, best breadsticks in the country. I've never had a better bread product in my entire life. So can you explain a little bit of your background? Um, you know, you've been there since uh, 2008. So, you know, you've been with them for a considerable amount of time. But where were you before and how did you get there? Yeah, so uh, prior to joining uh, Fazoli's, I was uh, the CEO of Damon's. It was another turnaround. Um, I actually worked my way up through that chain. Uh, from general manager to area supervisor, training department, franchise business consultant, to director of uh, company operations, and then actually became a franchisee with a board member. And we we grew eight Damons, and we were pretty happy. And um, you know, unfortunately, uh, there were some leadership changes, and the brand started to struggle a little bit. So. Uh, what we ended up doing is selling off our franchises, and for a short period of time, I went to work with my friend Billy Downs as the COO of BD's Mongolian Barbecue, and I was there exactly uh, one year and one day when Damon's called me back and said, would you come in and help us out because we're really struggling. So I went back to Damon's, and there was a, a lot of hard work to do and heavy lifting to you know keep the company solvent. Uh, we did sell it, um, and during the time period that we were selling it, I had a different group of people together where I was trying to buy Smoky Bones. Uh, Smoky Bones uh, was owned by Darden and they were the, getting rid of the concept. And I was very familiar with that because we were kind of a key competitor with each other. I mean, we we're basically the same concept. Uh, and the real estate at Smoky Bones, is, you know, they, Darden doesn't pick bad sites. Uh, so 
you know, the real estate was worth more than what they were selling the company for. And I just didn't know what, what I know today, I could get that deal done. What I knew then I, I couldn't put the, 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 the mess capital and uh, the, the, the capital together just to buy it. I had the lenders in place. I had everything I needed from there, but I, you know, I needed to come up with 20% of the sale price. And today I could figure that out. No problem. Then I, I struggled, but how I got to Fazoli's is uh, the company that ended up, so I was a final bidder. It was my uh, Sun Capital and myself. We were the final two people at the management presentations and Sun Capital just had the ability to wire them the money overnight out of one of their funds. And I was actually offering $9 million more uh, uh, you know, to try to buy some time. And you know, I had almost all the documents. Well, long story short, um, the sale leasebacks that were being done on the properties were being handled by Spirit Financial Corporation. And uh, they were actually, the, the gentleman who was doing our business was the exact same gentleman that was doing the business for Sun Capital. So he got to know me through the process and introduced Sun to me. I got a cold call out of nowhere. They said, uh, hey, I heard that uh, you were actively the pursuing Smoky Bones. Uh, you're the CEO of Damon's. And I said, yes, I, I just left and uh, kind of looking for my next venture. And, you know, they said, would you mind coming down to Florida to interview? And I think this was like a Tuesday. I said, no, not at all. And they had me on a flight on Wednesday and I interviewed with uh, for 11 hours on Thursday. And one of the gentlemen that I was interviewing with <clears throat> during the process, because they wanted to talk to me about a different chain said you would be perfect for Fazoli's um, you know part of my background that I left off is I worked for my father-in-law who was a very successful restaurateur in Columbus Ohio uh, had a uh, Italian restaurant chain called Salvi's and they were kind of positioned in between a, an Olive Garden and a Brio Bravo and he was very successful and my father-in-law was very much like Gordon Ramsay uh, really the, the tough, the real tough on me, uh, instilled a lot of quality, uh, was food focused, food passionate. And he, he just taught me a lot. And so when I was going through that background, someone said, you know, Fazoli's needs a guy like you. And I said, I would love that opportunity. And so they, they basically made me an offer on the spot saying, Hey, if your references check out and everything's good, we'd like to uh, you know, get going. And if we can rush this, could you start next week? And I said, no, I can't start next week, but maybe the week after. And it's two weeks later, there I was, I was working for Fazoli's in June of 2008. And, you know, I've been there ever since. And, you know, just to kind of, uh, why, you know, why such a tenure um, is really, it comes down to the love of the brand. Uh, you know, I, I certainly have had other opportunities and, I'm, I, and you take a gentleman like a Don Fox, for example, who runs uh, Firehouse Subs. There's a gentleman who loves his brand and he could go make more money and go to a bigger chain as could some other people like myself. But I love Fazoli's. I love my team. I love what we create. And you, to, to have a nicer car or a bigger house is not what motivates me. You know, I, what motivates me is, is doing something that I'm really passionate about and I love, and I love the Fazoli's brand. So what are some of the things that you love so much about the brand? Well, um, I, I didn't love my first 18 months. Uh, I, you know, my, my, my first 18 months, there was a lot more work to do than I, I thought. The brand 
it's been well documented. The brand was going through some problems during that time period. And, you know, there's a lot of work that, that needed to be done, including, you know, basically a wholesale change of the executive team and uh, a wholesale change of the, the entire menu. And, you know, put a lot of work into that. And, uh, you know, I, I love the executive team that I work with. Uh, there are high performance leaders that have built high performance teams. Uh, we don't have a lot of turnover. Uh, Rodney Lee, our CFO, he started 90 days after I did, and he's still right by my side. Uh, our vice president of operations has been there 20 years. Our human resource uh, uh, leader, Dave Craig, has been there for 20 years. And then we've brought other people in through the, the time period from other chains, and we just all think very similar. And, you know, we're it's not a pressure organization. We have a very uh, relaxed atmosphere at our office, but everybody knows you have to perform and we all hold each other accountable. Um, you know, so it's, it's based off performance, not pressure and it's just a great environment. Um, so when COVID hit, we, we were already kind of prepared. I mean, we were at a four day work week already, and that's not necessarily fair because a lot of our people work seven days a week, but we haven't opened our office for years on Friday um, because our team works hard and I wanted them to, to, you know, be able to have an enjoyable weekend and we just have a, a different atmosphere uh, the, the culture of our company is something that you just you, you can't change or really narrow down or to say it, it's exactly this but it's just a great group of people that um all have no false agreements that all want to win and you know we've all been together now for a period of time so if someone wanted to learn you know, from your hiring practices or from, you know, how you create this culture, what kind of advice would you give them? When, when I look to hire individuals, one of the things I look for is uh, extended tenure at an organization at least once throughout their career. So people that have uh, been at high levels for two or three years on multiple occasions is not really somebody that I'm looking for. So, you know, Blaine Adams, uh, who we hired to run our supply chain. He spent 19 years in the Darden system. Um, so you, people don't last that long in an organization uh, unless the, the, they're likable um, and they produce. So, you know, it, because if, if you don't have the right personality, you're never going to last in an organization for a long period of time. And I'm sure people like Blaine had to adapt to many different leaders and many different bosses during his 19 years there. Uh, and, you know, continue to be, you know, highly successful. So I'm looking for people with tenure. I'm looking for people that can smile and I'm looking for people that, you know, have been competitive. And then I actually, you know, I'm interested a little bit of their family background as well. You know, so um, like people that have been married and married for a long time, I just, just looking for that loyalty of an individual. And um, so, you know, that's, that's part of it. So loyalty, people with a positive mental attitude that can smile and then people that are winners that, uh, uh they've either been athletic winners or, uh, they've been winners throughout their career. And if I see those characteristics in an individual, um, then they're on the higher list, but we just haven't had a need to hire at the senior level for a long time. So in your time there, what would you say? are some of the most important innovations and what are you most proud of? Yeah. So I'll kind of take you through the innovation um, items and then share with you really what I'm most proud of, but you know, it, this was a complete turnaround. So the, the, 
we had to go in and readdress all the culinary side of the business. And we did a pretty detailed study right when I started about why we were losing consumers on an annual basis. And it was really boiled down to food quality. At the time, the brand was trying to be a QSR brand and uh, do 99 cent meals and 90 second ticket times. And I actually told the owners at the time, uh, they asked me what I thought of as always. I said, you guys own the world's fastest Italian restaurant. Congratulations. But it's a complete do over. The food's terrible. You have the wrong objectives. And, you know, when your product's not good, you've got opportunities. So the first thing I'm proud of is we went to work on the food and we've created, you know, throughout the course of time, a, a tremendous menu. And we introduced a lot of baked pastas. One of the things that skewed really high on the initial piece was the, the amount of baked pasta dishes had a really high intent to, to reorder, recommend, uh, high satisfaction. And, you know, we've got over a dozen baked pasta dishes on our menu right now, which is a, a nearly unique item. You, you can make it at home, but you don't want to. I mean, if you ever made homemade lasagna, it's it, it's it may be fun, but the cleanup and the time it takes uh, is not something that you, you want to do. But we've added a, you, you can't find the quality that we have at the grocery store. So we, we've really added a great line of baked pastas. They're over 20 percent of our menu mix today. And it was you know hardly anything when I started. I, I think the next big piece for us was around 2011, 2012, when we added real plateware and service after the point of sale. So. The old model was we would give you would come to the counter and you basically became an employee. Uh, you placed your order. We gave you a pager. It went off. Um, you, you were then instructed to get up and come get your food. And you were we told the guests you had to clean your tables afterwards. And um, I changed that whole model around. And we went. To, we were serving our food on uh, styrofoam plates and plastic forks. And I went the real plateware and real silverware. And we started bringing the food out to the guests and then we added service after the point of sale. And um, I'm really proud of that because no one does what we do at our price point. Not only were we really a first mover of food delivery at the table and, and real plates, but we have people in the dining room that are pre-bussing your tables, uh, that are offering you additional breadsticks or drink refills. Uh, we don't want you to pre-bus your table. You leave your plates on the table if we haven't taken them. And really all you do now is come in and place your order and sit down and we take care of you from there. We offer fresh grated Parmesan uh, at the table when you get your pasta dishes. And it's just, um, we provide a lot of service for an $8 experience. And, you know, there's some other milestones in the brand. Technology has, is a huge milestone. And I want to thank our partner, Sentinel Capital Partners, who purchased Fazoli's in 2015. They recognized you know, our cry for support and technology, we were working with Panasonic 7500s that I waited tables on 30 years ago. Um, and we upgraded all of our technology, brought in some technology leaders. Uh, you know, Wayne Peterson, who runs our technology department, is as sharp as they come. Um, we upgraded every piece of our back of the house, um, our home office, our point of sale system, we did not. We now have a mobile app. Uh, we're as sophisticated as any other brand. Um, there's some people that are cutting edge. Uh, we don't have a thinking app yet. We are not all the way there on voice technology yet, but it's coming. But any way a guest can think about ordering our product, we provide it. And any way they want to receive our product, we can provide it. 
and they can do it from their desktop, iPad, their cell phone, uh, through a phone, going through our drive-through, coming in and eating. And, you know, we just have done a really good job advancing technology and making it easier for our consumer to place the order the way they want and receive their product the way they want to receive it. And, you know, what makes me, you know, most, uh, what gives me the most enjoyment, you know, it's nice to see us grow again and we're adding new positions and, you know, growth uh, is requiring us to promote people from within and that's really enjoyable. But the thing that is most enjoyable for me is to see the success of our franchisees and our home office employees. And I kind of, you know, laugh at this, but when I started, you know, there was a bunch of old Toyotas and Hondas in the parking lot, and now there's BMWs and Mercedes, and um, and our franchisees were struggling to pay their bills, and now they're all multimillionaires. So that's the most rewarding thing to me, and, and the most rewarding thing for the rest of my career is helping people. So to see our home office people um, succeed and, and, and grow their own career and their own uh, financial well-being and see our franchisees do so well, that, that's really the, the joy that I get from running the company today. So kind of despite the pandemic, you haven't had record-breaking growth. You've had record-shattering growth. Um, so what factors do you think played into that? And why do you feel things are going so well? Yeah. So again, I'll go back to the team. I got such a great team, you know, and we're all thought leaders and I have a strong A personality and I, I knew what was coming before it was coming. And what I mean by that is when the president of the United States says that he's going to make a major announcement on Friday at three o'clock, it, it wasn't hard to figure out what was going to happen. At that point in time, COVID was well known and the team and I, first thing we did is put together liquidity drivers. We wanted to make sure that we talked to every vendor, every landlord, uh, every franchisee. Uh, we, we abated franchise royalties and marketing uh, funds for a couple months till you know things changed. And you know, for us at the beginning, it was just making sure that we preserving the business so it can stand on its own two feet. And we did that for about six weeks. And after the six-week standpoint, we had meetings every day. So uh, every day at five o'clock, we had an update. And you know, maybe in the fourth and fifth and sixth week, maybe it was went down to Monday and Fridays versus every day at five o'clock. But you know, we we were uh, basically to the point where there was no more liquidity drivers that we could create. And I said, okay, guys, we're going to continue the call on Monday, but now we're going to go on the offense. And I want to come up with super value promotions. I want to go back to advertising and I want to up the convenience. And I want to solve the problem that America is having today. And that was value. A lot of people were furloughed. A lot of people were just nervous uh, about their own uh, financial ability. I mean, e even in my household and it was, we, we froze all expenditures. I, I told everybody, we're not spending anything that we don't need besides groceries. I don't know where this is going, but this could be really bad. So, you know, a lot of people were hunkered down and, and concerned about their financial piece. And we did a great job with value. We uh, created five under five or five for five was good. And then the game changer for us was super family meal because it solved like three different items uh, for the consumer. And it changed really the, the, the course of history for our brand. 
the super family meal is a bucket of fettuccine alfredo, a bucket of spaghetti marinara or meat sauce, a uh, 16 breadsticks, a full pizza and a gallon of tea or lemonade. And we rolled this out and promoted the heck out of it. And we started selling thousands of them a day. We had cars lined up into the streets to get the family meal. And we had people, I had people sending me emails on LinkedIn and Facebook and saying, thank you. And what that did is for 1999, we could feed a family of four for tw twice. We, they could have pasta for lunch and, and pizza for dinner or vice versa. We could feed a family of eight one time for 1999. And it solved what you're going to have for dinner. Because if you remember during that lockdown, there wasn't much stuff on the grocery shelves and you're trying to figure out what to eat and you're, you were getting sick and tired of picking out stuff from the freezer. And this just provided a real easy solution with the variety and price. And, you know, we had all the different convenience ways that we, we added to the brand as well. And I'll talk about that in a second, but the super family meal was really big. And, you know, we followed that up with, you know, with these long lines that we were having in the drive through we started getting uh, tablets and sticking people outside placing orders so cars wouldn't drive off and just so we could uh, accelerate the throughput. And then we also um, started putting a person in the drive-through handing out breadsticks to cars that waited and our overall satisfaction and joy level went through the roof. So, you know, did, did we get lucky on some of these things? I mean, lucky smart, yeah. I mean, we, we had a good plan, we put it together and, um, and the brand just took off. So we've been double digit same store sales and traffic positive for eight consecutive months. January, uh, we were north of 20% positive sales and 18% traffic. For me, that's never happened in my career. I've never posted a positive 20. Uh, I've never uh, posted anything over positive 15 traffic. And it's just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the brand is you know, now starting to grow several franchise groups. So we got a lot of people interested in the organization. So the, it was a great team that protected the brand and then got creative to go on the offense when everybody else was still hunkered down, you know, uh, um, with their brand and not as aggressive on value. And maybe we didn't make as much money last summer and fall that we could have, but what we did is we exposed a lot of lapsed users and first-time users and um, infrequent users to our brand and they realized wow the food is really good it's the number one thing i hear from a guest that if i send into the location or someone new they say i can't believe how good your food quality is and you know that is um, is really going to propel the brand for several years so what are other some other factors that make Fazoli's attractive to potential franchisees? We're a complimentary brand. So we're not a burger. We're not a, a, a Mexican. We're not fried chicken or fried fish. So we're really the only ones that have an, an Italian brand. You know, you know, what makes us attractive? I mean, there's multiple things. Not only is our, our um, success that they're buying into a brand that's hot right now, is we're making it really easy and really affordable. One of our go on the offensive strategies that we developed was zero franchise fee and zero royalty fee in year one and conversions. So we don't want our franchisees necessarily looking for pieces of land and building new properties. We want them to mine the 2,000 to 3,000 
QSR shells that we can convert in that are readily available. Uh, today in Sioux City, we are opening a converted Pizza Hut. And uh, two weeks ago, we had to open in Statesboro, Georgia, a converted um, Steak and Shake. And we're getting these restaurants open for under 400000 They don't have to pay us anything up front. They build liquidity quickly. Uh, they get the return on investment uh, in most cases, um, you know, in, in the one to two year range before we even start collecting a full royalty. So, you know, we're really partners with uh, the, our franchisees. And, um, you know, I think if you ever want to talk to our, our franchisees, I'd certainly make that available. I, I think you would find out that, uh, you know, we, we really collaborate and partner with our franchisees to keep them successful. And when we bring new franchisees on board, they talk to our current franchisees and our current franchisees really help promote the brand. So what is it that you look for in a franchise partner? You know, somewhat similar to actually, you know, hiring an executive. So, you know, we're looking for someone who has a track record of success. Uh, you know, ideally, this person would be someone who's been in the restaurant industry, that the restaurant industry is not new to them. Um, it's So we're speaking the same language. Um, so we're looking for restaurateurs um, that, you know, are built into our philosophy. And, you know, we, my last slide uh, for a discovery day with them is what you can expect from us and what we expect from you. And you know, what they can expect from us is that we're, we're, we're a bunch of former franchisees. I was a franchisee, our VP of operations, a franchisee, our chief operating, our uh, financial officer, was a former franchisee. So we know what it's like to be on the other side of the table. And I, you know, we're our second, we're the second business, biggest franchisee in our brand. We own 56 company locations, soon to be 57 because we're uh, converting a company store. So, you know, we are very collaborative, but what we look for our franchisees are someone that not only that has the restaurant experience, but someone who's very committed to running our game plan. We do not allow deviations. Uh, so, you know, that's an important piece. And then we look for somebody that has a high aptitude to treat their employees very well. The very first line, what we expect from you, it says, and, and I'll quote because it's the bullet point. We expect you to treat your employees like partners because our hourly frontline employees and managers, they deal with the guests and the guests indirectly pay us. So if you don't have the right people interacting with their guests and you're not keeping them happy and treating them with respect and dignity, then we don't want you as a franchisee. So, for example, we, you know, we, we do background research on our franchisees. If, as always, we have zero third party complaints, we have zero OSHA complaints, there's no one suing us. We, we don't want that uh, environment. So. We want to create a really positive environment um, in our franchising company stores. And that's an extremely important uh, component that we look for in franchisees. So what are you looking for in, you know, in sites and, you know, what and what kind of targeted areas of the country do you um, see are the, the most logical ones for expansion? Sure. So we use a company called eSight. So they, it will give you a predictive uh, score and uh, volume expectation. So you know we will take a site. So we let's say we run across, use the example today, the Pizza Hut in Sioux City. So we ran that through our eSight model and it screamed off the chart. So 
you know, we're looking for, um, you know, we have to drive the market and do our due diligence and make sure the egress and ingress is good and, you know, the, the, and follow up to make sure that the technical report is accurate. But, you know, we're pretty sophisticated when we look at sites. We've got a, a, a director of real estate. He spent 25 years at McDonald's, uh, Perry Pelton. I mean, I trust this guy to, to uh, you know, if he, if he gives it the green light, you know, we have a site committee company that uh, he sits on, but, you know, Perry's a pretty bright guy. So we haven't really failed on too many locations. Like, I'm not really sure the, the last one that we did actually did fail on. But uh, so, you know, we're looking for to convert shells. And there's a lot of uh, Hardee's and Steak and Shake and Pizza Huts and some other brands um, that we convert really nicely into. And they're pretty easy conversions. So if we find a good conversion and the right franchisee and it has the right attributes and it scores high, then we're moving forward. Are you finding that there's more competition now because a lot of brands are interested in the drive-through? So I would say yes, but no one is doing quite what we're doing with the conversion strategy. I think some brands are, but if you go to a uh, larger brand that's growing, and let's use Chipotle or Starbucks as an example, because and, and you and Panera, to, uh, you know, those are three large brands that have come out and said that they're going to open restaurants with drive-through only. Rarely do they go in and take a a fifteen-year-old steak and shake and convert it. So they're looking for a different piece of property. They're looking for a bright, shiny, uh, high retail area where they can build a new prototype and go from there. They just build a new Panera down the street, and it just blows me away at, at, at how big this thing is. Um, so we are doing conversions, and then we're laxing some of our conversion requirements as well, which some chains would not do. So if you have a chair, and the chair's in good shape, and all the chairs in the restaurant from – let's say steak and shakes are in good shape, but they have a red bottom, you only need to reupholster them to our uh, our chair bottom, which is brown, to match the rest of the decor. Saves them a tremendous amount of money. If everything in the bathroom's good to go, um, everything's we don't require you to do anything. We Our goal in these conversions is not to, to move a wall and to get you open for under $400,000, and you just can't do that at, at, at a lot of our competitor locations. And I won't say the name, but we just opened a restaurant for under three hundred thousand. That that, that uh, and I'm telling you, the thing looks brand new. Uh, it, it, it's a gorgeous facility. So, who do you think is your competition? Yeah, so we're in this unique space. So, um, so the Olive Garden is a competitor. Uh, we actually like to open by Olive Gardens as much as possible. Our best performing units uh, sit next to or directly by an Olive Garden. Uh, so, you know, that's something that we look for. Uh, but you know, uh, at the same point in time, I don't love it when Chick-fil-A opens up next door because they're a fierce competitor and they do a great job at, uh, service. And, you know, so we also compete in the QSR space. So a lot of our guests, how they use the brand is they're trading up from their QSR experience or they're trading down from their Olive Garden or casual themed dining experience. So, when you go through the top five um, on our list, it's McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, Subway, Olive Garden, and Taco Bell. So, you, you, and I think Panera is like six. So, and, and you used to flip-flop Panera and Taco Bell. So, so, so it's just a unique hybrid of uh, brands that 
we compete against, but really our consumers looking for a better than fast food experience or looking to save a little bit of money and trade down from their normal Italian experience. So someone who's kind of on the outside of the industry looking in would think you wouldn't want to be near Olive Garden. Um, but what's the mindset behind that, behind wanting to be there? Well, I don't want this to come off wrong, but at our price point compared to their price point and our service model compared to their service model, our time of meal delivery and convenience versus their time of meal delivery and convenience, um, in my opinion, we blow them away. They, they have a full bar, which we don't have. So you're not going to come in and get uh, um, your, your Cosmopolitan or your beer at Fazoli's. So that's an advantage that they have. But I'll put our food up against theirs any day. They want to go head for head. I'll, I'll be more than happy to do that. And um, we, so the people find us because Olive Garden, and they are a very successful brand, and I have tremendous respect for them. Olive Garden will get very busy and will go on hour long waits. And what happens is people will say, well, let's go give Fazoli's a try. And they come over across the street and find out, wow, um, not only did I not have to wait as long, and this is way more convenient, if our food, how good our food quality is. So, you know, they, they do the advertising for us. Uh, and again, the, the, we don't have a location in our system that is by an Olive Garden that is not a outstanding performer. So let's talk about the breadsticks because um, you brought it up before. Um, at one point, you tweaked the recipe a little bit and then you went back. Um, so can you kind of share that story and what you learned from that experience? Yeah, so um, this was a very short time period. I'm not even uh, positive what you're referring to because we've left the breadsticks intact with the exception of one minor change that we did make. Um, and that was we uh, were on a hard charge about five years ago to remove all artificial ingredients from our menu. And we were able to clean 100% of our menu items, but some of our bread products and pizza dough uh, there's a product in there that m made it difficult for us to maintain the quality uh, it, as they travel. So our food travels extremely well. And when you, you take this one ingredient out of bread or pizza, uh, it, it, it has a tendency to be really good when it's made fresh, but 10, 15 minutes later, it slowly starts to harden. And I, I think we only had that to, uh, for less than a calendar quarter before we went back to the, the, the old product. So, um, yeah, that's a sacred cow. We don't really mess with our breadsticks. So what are your go-to menu items when you're dining there? Yeah. So right now it's the keto flatbread. Um, you know, cause I'm trying to watch my carbs. Uh, you know, I, I eat a lot of, a lot of carbs at Fazoli's and food tastings and, you know, every, it seems like every other Tuesday I'm having a, a 10,000 calorie uh, tasting and which I love because our culinary team does a great job. But you know, my favorite dish is when I'm not uh, counting carbs or, or trying to remove gluten without a doubt are our baked dishes. And I always go to what our LTO product is at the time. So, you know, we could have a lobster macaroni and cheese going in our restaurant and I'm going for that. Or right now we've got pizza baked spaghetti. You know, I could be going for that product. And 
uh, chicken parm duo. It's, it, we have all these great baked dishes that we, uh, you know, almost every one of our uh, limited time offers, which are done quarterly, is built off of baked items. And they're, again, they're, they're nearly unique and they're, they're just packed with flavor. And it's really a meal for, for two. You can't eat it all. So it, 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 it's good to take home and, and, and cook the next day. Do you have your company values listed directly on, you know, on your website? Um, and I was kind of struck by them. Um, and so I'm just going to, you know, talk about what they are. So, um, listing off, you know, great guest service is what we do. People come first. Integrity is everything. Teamwork makes a difference and pursuit of excellence is never ending. So how did these values help the company during the pandemic? Well, um, you know, as, as far as teamwork and pursuit of excellence, uh, that is a great example because as a team, we all uh, pulled together and we have something that's called no false agreement. So if I say something that my team members do not believe in, uh, I expect them to call me out on it and challenge me on it. And you know, th our goal is to be best in class. We talk about it all the time. You know, Who's doing better than we are? Like right now, I'll give it to them. Chick-fil-A is better than we are in the drive-through experience. How do we get to best in class in that area? What's the best that we can become? And during the pandemic, you, you know, we pulled together as a team. We didn't do anything that was against our integrity or our values. You know, we stayed in the lanes, but we, we did a great job pulling together and trying to find out what we could do to be excellent during a time period that was not excellent for the majority of the world. And yeah, I, 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 think, I think that made a huge difference. So um, it, it, was, it was a team effort to get to where we are now. It had nothing to do with one individual. Uh, I mean, heck, we, we've created three, uh, one of which I'm not gonna mention, we created three virtual brands. We, we have many company locations that are operating two virtual brands inside of Fazoli's right now. I mean, so uh, that was a lot of teamwork to create that. Uh, we changed our mobile app during the whole pandemic three or four different times. There was a lot of work that went into that. Um, uh, you know, a lot of different inner department communication had to happen in order for that to happen. And uh, again, I, I just can't be more proud of our team. So moving forward, what's next for the brand in 2021 and beyond? Um, and, and in general, what's, what's your outlook for the restaurant industry as we're, you know, hopefully getting toward the end of the pandemic and people will be, you know, wanting to go out more and, and socialize? Sure. So, uh, you know, the future for Fazoli's looks pretty bright. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, anxiety around having to go over these large double digit comps for a period of time. But uh, we've got a good plan in place, um, and I, you know, I see Fazoli's as a brand that opens 15 locations this year, uh, which will be something that we haven't done in 15 years, and uh, we open more than 20 next year, and that's something that hasn't been done in 20 years. So uh, I, I, we're going to sneak up on people. So um, you know, we're, we're starting to build all over the country. We've I think we've got eight locations under construction right now. So Pete. People are going to uh, find out about Fazoli's that ha haven't seen us before because we're building new locations all the time. So I, I think that the, the brand is in a very good place and um, certainly something that I'm excited about. And it's great to see it grow from an industry standpoint. There's still choppiness that lies ahead. 
but there's going to be some stimulus and there's going to be some uh, additional payments made to people uh, to support them going through this time. And that's going to drive the industry. When the stimulus checks came out in December for $600, I think everybody had a great last week of December and the first two weeks of January. I mean, everybody um, bounced off of those stimulus checks and we're going to see that again. And then to your point about the vaccines and, you know, going mask free at some point in time, uh, it'll happen. Uh, the, uh, I, I think what you'll see is like the roaring 20s. I think everybody's going to be out celebrating and having a good time because I think there's a lot of pent up demand. So, you know, I, I think the next 90 days are still a lot of choppiness. There's um, you know, still a lot of brands that are barely hanging on that, um, you know, just need to figure out how to get the shore in the next 90 days. And after that, I, I just see a, a lot of uh, positives for the entire industry for a period of time. And, uh, you know, we'll have to figure out the minimum wage and how that's going to play a role. But in, in general, I think we've got good times ahead of us for the industry. Thank you so much. This has been great listening to to the brand, about the brand and the growth and, and all of your experiences. It's uh, been my pleasure. 